0: Welcome to CII Podcasts. A very good afternoon to all of you, ladies and gentlemen. You know, we are really discussing today a topic, uh, you know, which is I have a dream for India at 100 innovation, imagination, investment. How do we make India at 100 or the India of 2047, you know, where India will probably have the prominent spot as the RD hub of the world? And, you know, as we are discussing this, uh, and, you know, looking at how India's position in the world will get defined over the next 25 years, you know, we could not have had anybody better than, you know, Dr. marshalkar to be here with us. You know, he's someone who really needs no introduction. Uh, he's someone who has really put, I think, the Indian scientist on the global map over several decades through his leadership role in multiple aspects, you know, both on the global stage with academic institutions, with corporates, you know, with the creation of scientific institutions that have strongly, you know, built IPR systems around the world that has, you know, really created inclusive innovation as a movement literally around the world. And of course, I think one very interesting concept Ram that you have done or built out is this whole Gandhian engineering. Which is an Indian, you know, product for the world for the world to understand how that has shaped up. But more than that, you know, a large a number of contributions to India, being on several government mashalkar committees, as they call it, it's become synonymous with science and you know uh, innovation and of course the recipient of the Padma Bhushan among so many large awards. And you know we've circulated the 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 CV and the bio and the background of such a wonderful, powerful gentleman uh, that we have had the privilege of discussing you know, the future of India with today. And you know, Ram has been someone who has been part of this journey of India at 75 that CIA took on back in 2007, when we were celebrating, you know, what India had achieved in 60 years, but more importantly, what we could achieve in the next 15. Today we are sitting in 2022, you know, we've seen what has happened with you know, the large visioning and the micro level of action that has been taken right at the grassroots level to, to several initiatives around policy, technology, you know, the boldness for Indian industry to move forward has all resulted in the India that we have today. And maybe as we celebrate this uh, and, you know, recognize how far we've come, it's also time for us to reflect on how we can strengthen many of the core pillars on which the future of this country will be built. And really to have this discussion, as I said, you know, we are privileged to have you here with us, Ram, and thank you for joining us. Uh, you know, as I said, uh, personally to me and uh, to many others in the country, you have been an uh, inspiration, especially in this last 15-year journey when uh, you, when we first interacted. And I still remember with CK Prahlad, you had shared your vision of how India will shape up and you've contributed personally and significantly to this. But you know, as you look at the next 25 years, You know, what is it that excites you about India? What's your dream for India? What's your vision for India at
1: 100? Yes, uh, first of all, thank you very much for your most gracious, most kind words uh, about me and whatever little I have been able to uh, do. Uh, Let's uh, start with the vision of uh, India at 100. You know, Rajiv, uh, I would like to talk about not just India at 100, But Bharat at 100, that's extremely important because uh, uh, we have challenges because of vast inequalities, deprivation and so on and so forth. So we can't dream of India at 100 without thinking of uh, Bharat. So I think that is where I will uh, begin. The second is, I go back to year 2000 when we had the Indian Science Congress in uh, Pune. And I remember Atalji had come as a chief guest uh, for opening up uh, the Congress. Uh, We have conglomerate of something like 5,000 scientists, Nobel laureates, and so on. And I had to give the presidential talk. And that presidential talk was about new Panchashil for the new millennium. And that new Panchashil was child-centered education, woman-centered family, human-centered development, knowledge-centered society, and innovation-centered India. And as you can see, from a child to woman, to a human, to the society, to the nation, i had said at that time that this particular uh, five mantras, so as to say, for uh, uh, India in year 2000, in that millennium that was beginning, will be valid for even uh, 3000 and 4000, as you can quite clearly see. So I would like to base my comments on that. That That's the first part. The second part is uh, that uh, my vision, if I may sort of uh, summarize it in uh, seven points, I will use first uh, uh, Hindi and translate it into English, those uh, words, basically. Uh, One needs India at 100 to be a nation which is Santulit, Susavskrut, Suvidya, Samruddha, Suushashit, Surakshit and swanandi. and I will explain each one of these. Now, when you say Santulit, it's all about balance because we'll have to have development without destruction, we'll have to have development without uh, discrimination, we'll have to have development where everyone is uh, taken along, so as to say. Nobody is left behind. And it is uh, also my dream when we talk about Santulit, the balance. I would like to see within 25 years, can we become a caste-free, a class-free nation, so as to say. Because what is dividing us is that today whether it is in our everyday social behavior, whether it is in our politics, whether it is in our decision-making, uh, you know, that divides us. So, can we have that Santunan, the balance, so as to say. So, the first point is Santunan. The second is Suhsaf I'm very proud of being Indian. I'm very proud of our culture. I'm very proud of our heritage. So, at no point, those values, that culture should be lost. So, that's the second point. The third point is Suvidya, education is the key, education is our future. But within that, I would like to see, see, for example, we have talked about right to education, but we have to move forward and say right way of education. We have to move forward and say right education, because that right education will change. I mean, just think about it. Somebody was saying on the other day that 70% of the school children in senior classes will end up in jobs which don't exist today. And we talked about uh, you know uh, education which creates new jobs and so on so we don't know what those new jobs are and therefore the right education is which inculcates the qualities of dealing with complexity because we are in a hookah world volatile uncertain complex ambiguous Uh, we have the pandemic then came ukraine then will come xyz and so on so hookah is the new norm how do we sort of uh, uh, have uh, our uh, children deal with the uh, complexity critical thinking uh emotional intelligence uh, cognitive flexibility and co-creation so as to say you know not just uh, lear- uh, learning by road but learning by doing and not doing what the teacher said but learning by creating and learning by co-creating ability to co-create so i think our education has to be holistic from that perspective that is the third point the fourth point is samruddha we should not get stuck in the middle income trap. We have to become a high income uh, sort of uh, uh, nation. Uh, 40 trillion is what we are talking about. Fine, maybe 50 trillion, but we have to have that aspiration. And there, it is not about just making India, like assembled in India, but making India as invent in India, so as to say. Otherwise, we can't. So that is that. then Sushasit in terms of governance. I think we should become a kind of a, a model of good governance uh, in diverse aspects, which uh, includes, uh, you know, protecting uh, our uh, laws, our constitution, our fundamental rights, uh, the freedom to speak, freedom of action, and so on and so forth. Governance that is built around that, governance that protects democracy, finally, the democratic value. The next one is surakshit, secure. And that security is both internal security as well as external security. For example, food security, health security, uh, energy security, because we are now talking about green energy, we are talking about green hydrogen. And uh, I had this uh, Asia Economic Dialogue, uh, uh, you know, the opening session with uh, Mukesh Ambani, and he talked about 111, one kilogram of green hydrogen, for one dollar for one billion people basically looks uh, a fantastic dream but then in access of green energy to all is going to be important in fact he had a prediction that since we are dealing with the sun and the water and that is in plentiful you can create uh, a green hydrogen with the current technologies at that level and even export half a trillion can you just imagine from an energy importing country becoming energy exporting country I see no reason why we cannot uh, actually uh, do that. As you know, I've been the chairman of his New Energy Council and I see how those dreams are progressing in terms of creating love. So that is that. And the final one, my uh, wish is Swanandi Bharat, happy India, stress to say, both peace internally as well as uh, externally. Uh, And that will be whatever with the population at that time, Uh, not smile on the selected few, but smile on all the billions. So, just to summarize, Santulit, susavskrut, Suvidya, Samruddha, surshasit, surakshit, and Svanavit. That's my India of uh, at, at 100. I won't be there. I know I won't be there, but I'd like to see that.
0: No, I'm sure science and innovation and engineering will ensure you are there. And I'm sure you will be there to enjoy that day with us you know and and i think so beautifully put right all of this actually ultimately results in happy people in a happy country i think you know if 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 we can get that level across you know scale and 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 masses here you know I, i i don't know what you think about you know the gross happiness index that you know bhutan often talks about and as a country is that something that we should measure and really measure it in a manner which is you know, very strongly, I, I
1: don't know. <laughs> In fact, I can uh, the, uh, uh, tell you that when I uh, chaired the Goa Golden Jubilee Development Council and created a vision for 2035 and we had great people like Vijay Kerkar and Vijay Bhatkar and Anil Kakodkar and others as members of the committee, I remember creating a similar seven-point agenda for them and finally Goa, I said and, and I talked about exactly what you said, Gross Happiness Index. And by the way, as an aside, I might uh, tell you something. I'd given the DD Kosambi Memorial uh, Talk in Goa, and I remember uh, then it was followed by Dr. APJ Abdul Kalam and other uh, people. But I had the privilege of giving the first one, and I had at that time said, "I am not talking like a scientist, but I will love to come. I will love to uh, uh, sort of negotiate with the God that take away all." Uh, my remaining years of my life but give me one day in 2047 i'll be able to come on the face of this earth and see my india who knows
0: <laughs> yeah, of course, yes no no and you know it goes so well with your innovation centered india right you talked about the role of women and everybody but innovation and innovation creating happiness i mean it's a amazing formula but you know really talking about that and for us to really identify and for us to claim that position you know of the global r d hub of the world you know as we build our capabilities and capacity as a as a country you know how do you really evaluate or assess the current environment right when it comes to you know research and development the whole landscape in our country today you know how how do you envision it uh, you know the way it is today you know how would you define it
1: yeah i think that's um An excellent question. Uh, See, look, uh, uh, 2020 is considered as year of pandemic, right? I would consider 2020 as year of science, year of Indian science. Because when COVID hit us, we didn't know what is the nature of the virus at all. We didn't have diagnostics. We were importing them from China, if you remember. And many of them had to be returned, millions of them had to be returned. We didn't have any therapeutics, we did not have any vaccines, you know, we had nothing. And within no time we turned the picture, basically. You know, we had our own indigenous vaccine, Covaxin, for example. We had our own diagnostic kits, so as to say. The first one came from uh, my lab in Pune, within six weeks after the pandemic came, you know, and then the uh, sort of uh, others came and they were all uh, sort of uh, affordable personal protection equipment, we were all importing from China. Within six months, we became exporting country, so as to say, you know, and I can go on and on. So I think this would not have happened if we had not built a terrific science base over a period of time, and that was not built overnight. It took decades of investment and commitment by um, different uh, uh, political leaders and the, you know, society and industrial enterprises. Uh, to move through that condition so it gives us confidence when, when i think the real tests are when you have adversity and then you are tested out that's number one number two is that uh, if you see india is rising that's for sure okay now if you look at uh, uh, some indicators like scientific research publications i'm very happy to tell you that within the last decade our rate of growth has been the highest in the world in terms of scientific research publications It is around uh, uh, 10% as against China's which is 7% and US which is 0.7% so as to say. So that is uh, very good but we have a lower base by the way in comparison to the others Uh, but I would say that's moving forward. Then the third uh, point uh, um, I would like to make is that India specializes in something and which leads the world. For example, I have talked about innovation but more importantly inclusive innovation you mentioned about Gandhian engineering. And you remember in 2008, I spoken about Gandhian engineering, which, which is our strength and which is our requirement. Uh, this was in Australia. And I explained Gandhian engineering in the following way. I said, Mahatma Gandhi had said that uh, uh, there is enough for everyone's need, but not for everyone's greed. That means your so exhaustible resources Please use them carefully so that you can get more from less, and keep it for more and more uh, generations to come. Your great gran- grandchildren and so on, and so forth. And I also said that Gandhi had said that uh, uh, the science, uh, the benefits of science, must reach uh, all poor, everyone, not some selected few. So that became more from less for more. And since you mentioned C.K. Prahlad, I must say that in 2010, this was my speech was in 2008, 2010. He and I wrote a paper in Harvard Business Review. It was called Innovation's Holy Grail, getting more from less for more. And that became a paper that is now ranked among the top 10 must-read papers. Why? And the uh, World Economic Forum had uh, a session on that, uh, you know, just within six months, so as to say, on more from less for more. So, in, uh, India is terrific in doing more from less for more. Of which affordable excellence is one of the things, you know, we some, somehow or the other, we have those genes in us. Uh, I'm not talking about Jugad, by the way. Jugad is doing less and less, uh, less for less. I'm talking about getting more from less. I'm talking about affordable excellence, uh, you know. Uh, just to uh, give you an example, uh, in my mother's name, I have this Anjani Mahshankar Inclusive Innovation Award. This is the 12th year of the award, and it is given not for best practice but the next practice so as to say i'm not a great believer in best practice. you follow others and look at ecg for example what is the best practice Uh, we go to the hospital lay down then uh, the the nurse comes and uh, then uh, you have uh, 12 leads put here and there etc and half an hour you get that he created the next practice the next practice is here it is a portable ecg quarter of million of these have been sold in eight countries by the way now what does it do? Well, you put your two fingers on it uh, for 15 seconds. And then here is a sensor. You put it above the heart 15, 15, 15 seconds, 15, 15, 15 seconds. All right. And an accurate 12-lead medical grade ECG comes up in your smartphone if you downloaded an app called Sankit. All right. now. This has got all certificates from all around the world, and so on, and so forth. so. This is affordable excellence. Why? Because this device costs only four thousand rupees, and cost of ECG per scan is just five rupees. Now you can imagine how transformative this is, basically. So if you have, for example, in a village, uh, uh, old woman gets uh, uh, pain. All right, and she doesn't have to be put in a bullock car or a, uh, a motorbike or a jeep and taken several kilometers. Right from there, if the connectivity is there, uh, you know, her ECG can go to the best expert uh, sort of uh, anywhere. So, similarly, i breast, which is $1, cancer test, which is going to 25 countries now and uh, so on and so forth, you know. So, innovations of this kind, inclusive innovation, as I call it, affordable excellence, India is a master. So when it comes to our strengths, I would say these are our strengths. And most importantly, as you, as you know, we are used to denial-driven innovation. Supercomputers were not made. I was a member of Science advisory committee to the Prime Minister, Rajiv Gandhi's time. and that time, he asked us, what are we good at? Uh, you know, we must be good at something. And we said this, and then what do we do with this? And that is where the supercomputer mission was called. And uh, we created our own purpose. Because it was denied by us similarly cryogenic engine it was derived by, so each time it has been derived we have said thank you very much whether it is space whether it is defense whether it is out of it I would say if you look at the current scenario and uh, Mars Orbiter Mission for example Mangalayan you saw uh, how we did it at one-tenth of the cost getting more from less for more basically I would say these are our on our weaknesses if you ask me still continue to be uh in uh, intellectual property rights uh, for example we have still not understood the value in terms of competitive uh, advantage of that Um, we have uh, uh, this translational research from mind to marketplace or ideas to impact that particular journey the kind of ecosystem we have still not sort of perfected it so there are these are work in progress i would say but on the whole i would say this is my own judgment with regard to uh the current state
0: no i think uh, very very well put with very good examples right what you rightly said i think you know as human beings you know you should be able to create anything you can imagine i think the world is is there and the other way around too right if you can't imagine it you can't create it and i think that's where you know visionary leadership will come from for the future and you know what you have articulated truly exemplifies that you know Uh, I think, you know, as we really look and you talk to some of the weaknesses, uh, you know, what are there, but you know, keeping that aside, if we really want to build that culture of R&D, you know, even today, if you look at Indian industry, you know, doesn't invest as much in R&D as it should or even compared to global counterparts, right? I think while we are great at creating affordable, you know, uh, excellence, as you said, and inclusive innovation, right? I think. Are we being bold enough? Are we taking enough risk? You know, as a country, you know, can we really use this strong foundation to do a lot more over the next 25 years? And if so, really, you know, and if we were to really prioritize, like, maybe, are there three things, you know, that we should be focused on to create this strong R&D culture, you know, in India as we move forward?
1: Yeah. No, that's an excellent question. I would uh, put it this way. I think the first thing is about investment. So as to say Because uh, although we are a poor country, education and health, we have to invest the most, but also research is something where we cannot. Now, my challenge there, I will tell you, because I give a lot of good news. I'm a traveling salesman for India, but there are challenges. One of the challenges and one of my regrets has been that if you look at the investment in R&D that uh, India has made, 1998, it was 0.7%. Today, it is 0.7 percent. rest of the countries have gone forward. As you can see, China is almost 2.5 percent and they are five times richer than us. So you can see the kind of uh, investment they are uh, basically making. Now, what has happened is that there has been a commitment from the governments. I can tell you because I have been a member of Science Advisory Committee to the Prime Minister for almost 30 years, by the way, right from Rajiv Gandhi's time. And I remember one meeting in 1989 in December that he had taken at Seven Riscos Road, and he said we should raise investment from 0.7% to 2%. And I remember TN Session, then cabinet secretary, he suddenly said, you know what? He says, Sir, we don't have money. Rajiv, at that time said, Session G, science, technology, innovation is so important. We'll set aside 2% and the rest of the country can. That was his commitment. He's gone. After that, uh, we had Atalji, year 2000 when was, I was Indian Science Congress President, he made a statement, I am committed to two percent. 2011, I remember Dr. Manmohan Singh, I was there in the Science Congress, he made a commitment, two percent. And then our current Prime Minister Honorable Narendra Modi made a very sincere commitment in 2015, two percent, two percent, two percent, two percent, everybody else, it has not happened, why is it remain 0.7 percent? and you put your finger on it. The essence is that of industry. Because if you see uh, all over the world, approximately 70% comes from industry and 30% from uh, government. Here it is exactly the reverse. Government spends 70% but industry spends 30 How do you incentivize and propel our industry to sort of uh, do that? And if you exclude some sectors like health uh, sector, pharma, uh, for example, Uh, otherwise the vaccine would not have come and so on, or uh, uh, some part of auto, uh, you know, uh, and in the digital world, a few innovations, we don't see that. So I think that I would like to see uh, sort of rise that there is no question about. Uh, The second is the risk part. Again, I'm picking up from, in fact, you have given all the answers of the questions you are asking. See, risk taking is extremely important. Because we have been followers, then we became fast followers. And the idea is not just leapfrogging, but pole vaulting. This is my book, Leapfrogging to Pole Vaulting, uh, you know, where we talk about high aspirations and going ahead of the world and taking leadership. So not follower or fast follower, but a leader and a pole vaulter, so as to say, two new heights, okay? Now, uh, I remember, that when I was the DG of CSR, I created what is called as the New Millennium Indian Technology Leadership Initiative. Leadership was the key. Now, the issue is when you want to take leadership, you are doing something others have not done. You are not copying. And therefore, there is a risk. And therefore, you are likely to fail. So, I remember at that time, it was uh, 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 Mr. Yashwan Sinha who was the finance minister, I remember. Uh, and uh, he had a dialogue with me what can be done and i said let us create this initiative and he uh, approved it instantaneously. the model there was very interesting it was a public private partnership private sector can you believe it i had said zero percent interest softest loan and to be returned only if they are successful what does that mean it was not venture capital it was adventure capital And I had said public private partnership where public institutions will join uh, together and together they will do. By the time I left, there were more than 100 private sector companies and 250 institutions working together. Okay. Now, we took risk at that time because, as as you know, we had always worked where markets were certain and technology was certain. Markets were certain because people were already consuming. Technology was uh, certain because all that we had to do, was engineer and copy that and we could get. We moved the ball into different quadrant. You know what was there, Where markets were uncertain and technology was uncertain. Today, you talk about green hydrogen. Today, you talk about fuel cell. 2002, when there were no markets and technology were not known, we started a program. Today, KPIT technologies along with National Chemical Laboratory, Sikri, Karai, Kudi and others have created our own fuel cells, which are ahead of the rest of the world. 400 kilowatt um, uh, 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 hour, you know, as against, uh, sorry, dollars per kilowatt hour, 400, as against 1000, which is the best in the world. And as we speak, this was launched on 16 December last year, the vehicle is uh, sort of doing mileage for uh, sort of testing our own, which is ahead of the rest of the world because we took risks. So I think the second point, the first point is investment. Second point is embracing uh, uh, sort of risk. And the third one is deep Prime Minister after Prime Minister has talked about deep In year 2000, uh, Atalji said that 2011, uh, again, um, Dr. marmon Singh said that. In fact uh, the most uh, evocative talk was given by uh, our honorable uh, uh, current prime minister Narendra Modi ji I remember attending that Mumbai and he said that uh, the scientists should not be uh, left to find out the mysteries of bureaucracy they should find out the mysteries of science I mean there's a powerful statement Despite all that good intentions the bureaucratization has increased centralization has increased and so on and so forth so you asked me what are the three things, my, my wish list, first is investment, second is risk taking kind of funding with a public private partnership, and third is debureaucratization.
0: I think very well prioritized and very, very clear articulation. You know, Ram, I think in all of these three, if they work together, right, I think you're, you're absolutely right. We can definitely create that culture, you know, you're so right, right, when it comes to industry and you know, as I said, I also come from a third generation business. You know, we've had traditional manufacturing for decades, right? We were partners with the Aditya Builder Group in Thailand and others. And for the initial years of my journey in business, I tried to innovate within. Right. And try to innovate within organizations until you know you realize that there are so many challenges which are not only external but also internal, right? From industry, it's the people, the mindsets. And sometimes it's harder, you know, even after putting a lot of money to get those desirable outcomes, even if they fail, right? And you still feel that you've fallen short of the effort. Now, of course, what we did was completely draw a line, take absolutely new young people and get into businesses which are being done for the first time out of India, for the world. And I think your point of emerging technologies, what you talked of, you know, you have an uncertain geography, an uncertain technology, but really taking that at scale out of India for the world probably could be, you know, the big ambition and the vision, right, that we should all aspire for.
1: And Rajiv, it is making in India for the world, like our Prime Minister said, like this device now in eight countries. All right. So, and, and there are other innovations which have gone to even 25 countries. Making India for the world, it is possible, provided it is affordable excellence, excellence meeting those qualities. Then people will go for it. That is the first part. The last part, if I may just add, because this cannot be put in an agenda, because this is. Uh, uh, you know, investment, taking risk, and depuretise, is all government and industry and so on. But there is something else that, uh, you know, it has to be talent, technology, and trust. We have all the talent in the world. We have the technology. The trust part of it is very important. I'll give an example, just to illustrate. navin Khanna, one of the award winners in 12 years of Anjani Masherkel was Dr. Navin Khanna from ICGV. What did he do? He created uh, Dengue diagnostic test, which can, within 15 minutes, tell you whether you have Dengue or not. Not one or two days. Okay. And at what stage it is. U.S. FDA certified, U.S. patterns, everything None. Nobody will take it. Why? Because we were importing them from U.S., from Australia and from South Korea. Then came the pandemic. Kids were getting exhausted very rapidly. We went to these countries. Two of them said we can't deliver in the time span that you are... Uh, South Korea said we will. As luck would have it, they loaded it on the wrong ship which went to Africa. So we no kids. And there was no other option but to go for Navinkan. Okay. That time his uh, sort of uh, market share was 0%. Today it is 80%. But if the ship had come, it would be still 0%. That trust when i say take risk this is also a risk that you take all right so we have to trust our youth and sort of uh, basically uh, take those this is a part of it talent technology and trust
0: and you know the youth has that hunger you know that that necessity is the power of innovation that is there i mean you know i was at a convocation recently and of course you go to so many you know ask people to put up their hands you know how many of them would want to be job creators you know, versus, you know, seeking jobs. 17% plus, you know, now must have put up their hand. They have that risk appetite. They have that entrepreneurial energy. What you said, we have to just trust the young people, you know, back them with capital, back them with an ecosystem. I'm sure we started the journey as about accelerating and taking those already well, you know, fit you know companies now to larger global scale like right? like today i after he's got 80 percent of india now how do we you know get him to have a vision to go and fight with those same countries which you we are importing for and do it at a much more efficient and a better scale right and i think i think that's the shift probably India 100 will see a lot more of you know and you know and i think this is a great point right it, it really talks both of entrepreneurial energy but, you know, somewhere, you know, there's this term called scientific temper, you know, you know, which, which I don't know whether I know it exists, but how do we kind of encourage it? Right? How do we, how do we, you know, enable it to unlock to its true potential, you know, in, in, a, in a country like India?
1: No, that's a, a extraordinary question. It's extremely important because we can't become a developed nation until there is a scientific temper. So as to say, uh, if you just see we had mass Orbiter Mission. I mentioned Manglayan, All right, and we were the uh, nation. We became successful for the first time. We did it at one tenth. All Indians are proud. Mangalayan was moving around Mangal. But this lady ko Mangal hai. Uske liye uski shaadi nahi hoti Because she has Mangal, she can't marry. That is no scientific temper. If you remember Lord Ganesha drinking milk, there I were chills. And interestingly, the longest queues were in London, by the way. So, or uh, uh, people saying, because uh, 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 there is a cow slaughter, there are earthquakes. uh, All sorts of... uh, So, I think we have to get away with it. I think, if we remember, uh, Pandit Jawaharlal Nehru had coined the word scientific temper in 1946, actually. And if you see the 1958 uh, science policy resolution, it has statement on scientific temper. And in fact, we were the first nation, by the way, in 1976. If you look at uh, the 5th, uh, uh, in the 5th Parliament, uh, the 42nd Amendment, 51ah. Uh, I have the number here, it says specifically, and I will read out, it says it shall be the duty of every citizen of India uh, to develop scientific temper, uh, humanism and spirit of inquiry. So we have said that and even um, the, uh, in the science, technology, innovation, policy draft, I have seen uh, the one that is going to be sort of brought out. There is a sort of, so there is the intent, but at a societal level, we have to sort of uh, make change and why is it important? Because in scientific tempo, you use the principles that are embodied in scientific method, that means application of logic, uh, discussion, uh, argument, Element of fairness, element of uh, 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 sort of uh, equality, uh, element of democratic view, and you can actually express contrasting views. All right, which may not confirm with the establishment. So that is fundamental: freedom of thought, freedom of action. When we talk about that, is all embedded in scientific uh, temper. Now you will ask: Yeah, this is a challenge. What can we do? In fact, I have written a major paper on scientific temper, which appears on my website www.mashalkar.com, but I will not go into detail for want of time. But I will say I have made uh, ten points out of which five are very important. What are those five? What are the dramatic changes we need to make? The first one is from censorship to freedom of expression. The second is from obedience to openness. You know, that yes, sir, culture, uh, etc. Uh, that we have that to obedience the third is science as a subject to science as a way of life it should not be just learned as a, a separate subject in isolation uh, the fourth is uh, media responsibility rather than sensationalization to sensible science journalism that's what we need and fifth is there is a, what is called as a citizen science movement so every citizen become a scientist in some way, exploration, it could be the skies, it could be uh, so the botanical wonders, these, that and the other, etc. So the civil society is positive. I would say this will be my five point agenda as far as scientific temper is concerned.
0: Yeah, no, I think again, you know, very, very important, you know, shifts that need to happen at a societal level, right? And these are always hard to make at a country level. Sometimes it takes decades and generations for, for these switches to happen but definitely directionally i think if we aspire and continue to move that we'll see more examples that will you know probably strengthen that move and probably that's how you know we will we will get there you know but, you know you know, out of all things we've spoken we've spoken a lot of different aspects for india's global leadership you know coming up you know you're you're the uh, you know more from less for more <laughs> you know really kind of stands out you know you've written for value for money and for many, you know, very much similar, uh, you know, kind of concepts that you have, you know, talked about where we have to find solutions for literally, you know, challenges that seem to have impossible solutions, right? I mean, really something that is to be solved, right? I mean, you know, and and I know you've developed this philosophy, you've developed an approach, a framework, so to say, you know, on on addressing big challenges, I mean i think throughout your life you probably you know looked at solutions in, in 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 you know deep challenges so little insight on you know for us as a country right what what's that or to that approach is there a is there something that we need to constantly you know be guided by or thought or we need to continue to think of as we move you know on this journey of, of excellence
1: yeah i think uh it is like this uh... One has to think of the future. We talk too much about the past. Very frankly, we have to look at the future because that is where we are going to spend the rest of our life, okay? And we have to run faster than the others. So competitive India is critical. Inclusive India is uh, critical. And therefore you require innovation, compassion, and passion. All three uh, sort of put together. You have to have speed, scale, and sustainability. So as to say, because we don't have time On our disposal. And that is, I would like to see what has happened in the last decade becoming the spirit for us. See, I talked about leapfrogging to pole vaulting. This came out of our conversation with Mukesh. All right. And uh, he loved it and he created a program called Beyonders. Just 30 young people who can make impossible possible, think beyond the rims of possibility. And we did pole vaulting. What was that pole vaulting? In 2007, February, We moved from 156 position in mobile data transmission uh, and usage to not leapfrog to 100, pole vault to number one, and we are number one, right? So that is the spirit. Now when he talks about 111, green energy, basically we are talking about pole vaulting ahead of the rest of the world. Such targets have not been assigned to anybody. If you look at other things that we have done, digital payment, we are the uh, sort of biggest and the fastest in the world to have sort of done that. You look at uh, the financial inclusion, thanks to JAM, that we did. Yojana Aadhar and mobile. It was a combination of technological innovation, system delivery innovation, policy innovation, etc. We did that, and that is the fastest. In fact, we have got a Guinness Book of Record, and you have seen the benefits of that uh, in terms of COVID and payments and so on and so forth. Look at light emitting diodes. For example, India has a world record now, within seven years, we moved from 0.2% penetration in the market to 88%. How did that uh, happen? And I had heard uh, uh, Mr. Piyush talk about it uh, when I was chairing the Earth Care Awards and there was a function. And we did it by demand aggregation so that the cost of a 9W lamp was brought down from $7 to $1 okay leds because they are very important for reducing the carbon footprint not the fluorescent light but leds we did that we are the fastest similarly if you see startups that you talked about until 2016-17 we had one unicorn one unicorn as you know is a billion dollar market cap per year in 2021 we had one unicorn per week almost I'm saying almost, as a scientist, I should not be bluffing because we did 42, not 52 weeks. Right? But it is almost that. Can you, can you just say, this is pole vaulting. All right, So that is the point I'm trying to make. In moving forward in the next 25 years, we can't be walking, we can't be running, we can't be uh, le- uh, leading and leapfrogging, f- but pole vaulting. I think that should be our aspirational sort of goal
0: and a lot of catch up also to do for, you know, to really justify our pole vaulting as well, you know, and with the size of uh, scale of population and the ambition that we have, you know, one thing stands out in every conversation, you know, that i have had with about India at 100 or, you know, we've engaged in is that the aspiration of the people of India for India are really, you know, up there, right? I think everybody, you know, we're a country that that lives on hope. That lives on you know strong aspirations. And and I think it is up to you know many of us to really put together the framework you know that will enable this country you know to have that. And that won't happen without the participation of everyone. And more importantly, you know the young people, right? And and you know I, I think the the in the world you know we have about seven hundred million people you know, which are under the age of 25, I think, approximately in India, 6 to 15, which is really 1 in 10 people in the world is an Indian under the age of 25. Yeah, yeah. If you had to give one message to them, you know, that will resonate with them because they are the ones who are going to create this next India at 100 over the next 25 years. Really, what what's that powerful message of yours to that generation?
1: I'll, I'll give. You know, we uh, uh, call these five Shilkar Mantras. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, they are based all on uh, reading my book of life, whatever I have had the journey. And those five ma- Mashakya mantras I'll give you very quickly. Uh, the first is, as you said, aspirations are of possibilities. So keep them high. If you aim at uh, Everest, at least you will reach Kanchaniganga. But if you aim at Kancharanga, you might not even uh, go to Hanuman Tekri. And I'm very happy to say, on this count that our young have the aspiration. Let me uh, tell you how, I was talking to some young people and I said, uh, I'm very proud of uh, India's educational system, by the way, I've been myself a product of that all through and through, right, from a municipal school to uh, my PhD. So I said, look at, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, Satya Nadella, he's the chief of, uh, CEO of Microsoft, Um, you know, and uh, uh, so on, so Sundar Pichai, Google and so on. You know, uh, one young person got up and said, Sir, you got it all wrong. I said, why? He said, your aspiration, your generation was always to go to US somehow. Next generation, go to US and get a great job, like in Microsoft. Third generation, not only go there, but become Microsoft CEO, not ours. We want to create our own Microsoft, our own Google here. That is the spirit that they have. So first is aspiration, keeping them. mind. The second message is hard work. I want to particularly tell the young generation, like instant coffee, there is no instant success. I myself work 24 into 7, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and will continue to do so till the last day of my life. My message to them is, work hard in silence. Let success make all the noise. Don't we'll start making noise in the week. My third lesson will be, Purpose, perseverance, and passion matters. Perseverance. It is always too early to give up. Winners never quit. Quitters never win. And you have to look at fail because you will fail in life. F-A-I-L. First attempt in learning. As long as you learn from it. Your best guru is your last mistake. As long as you learn. That Fifth is uh, that you keep on knocking on the doors. They don't open. Create your own doors. You might say, I don't understand. What is it? I'll tell you. Nineteen seventy-six, when I came back uh, uh, to National Chemical Laboratory, terrible conditions. Actually, we were a poor country, no foreign exchange. I wanted a uh, equipment, Weizenberg reorganizer. It will take me two about two years. Digital declarers not manufactured in India, certificate and all that. So that door of uh, was not opening because I would have set up rheology group. I said, what is the equipment God has given me? This and i shifted to modeling and simulation which uses only this can you believe it 77 I started the work in 82 i got the batnagar prize which is the highest science prize for people in india but had i just waited there i would not uh, and to for that door to open after 2 years would not have happened so that is my message to them And the last one there is no limit to human endurance to human achievement to human imagination just let me end by saying the professor Siena Rao, who is the Bharat Ratna and uh, accepting Nobel Prize, he has got everything, the greatest scientist, he has been my guru and a mentor. So I became fellow of Royal Society, FRS. In 360 years, there have been only three engineering scientists from India, who have become one, and you sign in the same book that Newton has signed, by the way. This is considered at the highest after Nobel Prize. I phoned a Professor Rao. You know what was his response? Not bad. So, I got very disappointed. Then I got some other, then I got some, then finally I would be among the top three, top seven, this, that's so. Then there was one uh, fellowship I got, uh, U.S. National Academy of Inventors. I was the first Indian from India. So, I say at least now So, I uh, again called him excitedly. Said, Not bad. Then I said, sir, what do I have to do to impress you? So, what he said, I like to leave as a message for the young people. What he said was interesting. He said, Mashaaj you are climbing on a ladder of excellence, which has no limits, excepting the limit that you put on. So if you translate it, it means no matter what you achieve, you have to say, my best is yet to come. And what they should do is, whether you are 18 or 80, every day morning when you get up, you have to say, my best is yet to come. Maybe today is the day it will come and keep on sort of uh, uh, doing it. And not just for yourself, for the society, my best for the society, for the nation and you can imagine if billion plus indians do it where will this nation be these are my five Mashal commandments
0: that's that's what the one voice that will resonate right my best is yet to come 1.4 billion indians saying that and actually taking a pledge to live by that ideology and i think that should be more than enough to really unlock the future of of a beautiful bharat you know and where you started that the Bharat 100 is, is a Bharat that each, each of us will own and, you know, be a part of and proud of. So, I mean, we have 45 minutes over your short of time, but just such a wonderful, enriching, enlightening conversation. And I'm sure a lot of messages there for different stakeholders in society in India and around the world to take back, to see how they can shape their future, not only of their nation and family, but really each individual you know, starts living to the best of their potential and we'll have a lovely world. So, again, thank you. Thank you so much, Ram, for spending the time, being here with us. Again, thank you so much for uh, being here and for sharing this lovely insight.
1: Thank you very much. My privilege and pleasure.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to CII Podcasts.